Hit it, Phil. Can it be the breeze that fills the trees with rare and magic perfume? Oh, no. It isn't the breeze. It's Jackson time. La, da, da, da. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. I am joined by Vincent Longo, Kathy Fuller Seeley, John Henderson, Terry Phillips, a whole team here. <laughs> and John is from This Day in Jack Benny, uh, the wonderful podcast about Jack Benny. And we uh, we are talking today about a Jack Benny television show that's one of uh, a rare one, I would think, that we're presenting here that a lot, a lot of people have seen. This is uh, Jack Benny in Australia. And this particular one, he he has just completed a tour of Australia, essentially, and talks mentions that a lot in the in the special, and sort of they just decided to let's film the last one or film this last bit, and and it's using the people that he has toured around with, and so he he mentions throughout the special that he's done these things with these people. Uh, the the one thing I wanted to point out that always astounds me or I always find impressive about Jack, but even probably this more so than just about in anything else I've seen is the way he can take a troop of people that he hasn't really known necessarily and uh, create a show out of it that he does in multiple places. I mean, he definitely does this in the USO tours and things and how for these people, I would think for the rest of their lives, they would remember this as a highlight of their life that they got to spend a little bit of time with Jack Benny and doing one of his shows. Uh, certainly, the little girl that plays the violin with him in this case does a wonderful job. And it's it's a tribute to the Giselle McKenzie violin piece that, that he did so often. Um, but he says, and if it's true, uh, and I believe it probably is true, that he just asked them to find a young girl who could play the violin well and could do this and and could talk and uh, that's what they found and and so she did a beautiful job with him well in the youtube notes under the, uh, where where i was watching this it said it was someone who was a relative of her saying that she did this for the rest of her life and that she taught violin wow. and she she did violin performances and everything and she's i think she's still around if i remember right it's i think she's 72 or something like that um yeah so so that's pretty neat that that uh she's still around and did more with the violin than just this of course uh anyway let's let's go around and see what people thought let's start with kathy kathy what were your thoughts on this oh. Well, I wanted to thank you, Daryl, so much for this opportunity. I've never seen this. And I was curious if anybody can tell us, if, did it ever play in the U.S.? Or was this done for Australian TV? I wish we'd had the commercials. Might have given me more of a clue. But um, I was struck by um, uh, uh, both the Jack's, uh, Jack's fascinating career and the way he operated, that he could mention something so au courant as if, in the beginning, he says, hey, I'm the fifth Beatle, yeah. um, noting that the, the Beatles had just been uh, uh, through a, an enormously successful, uh, a gigantic crowds um, tour of Australian cities. Mm -hmm. But then just a little bit later, when he pulls the joke, he's uh, got the, the other singer, the female singer on stage, and he says the joke about, oh, about my films. I was in one film and it was a murder mystery. I was in a bathtub on a Wednesday night. That joke is from 1932. <laughs> it is, he does it in one of his very first radio shows. 
and that means he'd done it for years. You know, he'd been doing it on the vaudeville stage before that. So to encapsulate sort of seamlessly over 30 years of his uh, uh uh, oh, uh, it, it is so amazing how he grabs something and will go, oh, this is a good piece and I can keep using this. And we don't know how much of it he used on his performances that weren't on radio, right? Because we don't have so many of those. We hear about them. We know he was doing a lot of performances all over the country and all over the world. Uh, for instance, uh, he does a bit here with a singer that's that's on his uh, that's on the show and he says how long you've been doing this and the guy says five years and then he says he wants to point out some things to mr benny that he could do better or whatever and he says how long have you done this for five years? okay <laughs> so but that yeah. whole piece uh, it, it, for a lot of us we go oh that's pretty much the bit that he did with johnny carson and it is and it, and a lot of folks pointed that out on youtube as well but it makes me wonder I could easily see him have done that bit during the, it would not surprise me if he did that same bit during the World War II time with somebody on stage and had them do that and then took it and had Johnny do it later. Johnny might not be the first, it's the first one that I think we remember, but there could have been more before that because you, you don't know how long these things have lived. Like Kathy says, that uh, one piece from 1932, bringing it up. So, so it's it's just interesting to see how he does the same bit with different people, and the fact that he can make everyone funny, that he can pull out of anybody. It's one thing to go, oh, I'm going to pop in and I'll be funny wherever I'm at, but to be able to say I can create a show with a bunch of people that have never worked together with me and I can make them all funny, including me. Uh, that's an amazing piece that he could do. That. I don't think many other performers can pull that off. John, and I, I've got one more, yeah. which is uh, in an early episode of the television show, uh, Bob Crosby is on and Jack starts to tell a joke and then Bob Crosby comes in and he sings a song and Jack is just standing there the whole time. And again, they totally rework it. But this is another example where they took that straight out of there and plopped it in here. Yes, yes. And the, the other joke, uh, I don't think it's in this Australian one, but but that I've seen a lot is when Jack is telling a joke and then stops before the punchline gets interrupted. And then there's something that happens, a, a whole scene with him and this other person. And then that person leaves the stage and then he tells the punchline for the joke, which of course falls flat because we've it's been so long since we heard the setup. It's, ab yeah. it's absolutely in this television episode. Yeah. Oh, it is, okay, I couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah. It was absolutely is. Yeah. Okay, great, see, there you go. <laughs> and he used that a lot. <laughs> I knew, I must've seen it recently, but <laughs> there was that. But uh, since Terry popped in, Perry, what, what were your thoughts on, on this? Well, so let's talk about the uh, the Rudenko brothers, the the jugglers. They're uh, the uh, sons of uh, Ukrainian uh, a, a Ukrainian family of uh, trapeze artists, and uh, this was not the last time that they worked with Jack Benny. They continued touring with him, including at the uh, Hollywood Palace. They do a bit in this uh, program that they perfected years later. Um, I don't want to give too much away other than to say that if you watch the cigar, you will see something that happens to the cigar. They made it much funnier when they did it uh, in, in America. Um, 
by by enhancing uh, Jack's cheapness. And if you uh, can link to that uh, Hollywood Palace um, video, you will see the same act, the same actors, the yes. same uh, jugglers who do essentially the same bit. And it's an astonishing uh, juggling act, you know? Yeah, but sure. uh, you're absolutely right about Jack perfecting people's comic skills. If they, if they have them at all, he turns them into into uh, real uh, golden actors, and it's so funny to hear um, that singer Johnny O'Keefe uh, complain about Jack's timing because not not only was that what made Jack Benny Jack Benny, but he got everybody on that show, including Johnny O'Keefe, to do his timing. Yes, <laughs> it was just genius, and it, it was what you've talked about so often that uh, he did this on the radio too he was he would direct even though he was on stage he would get all of his uh, cast members to rise to his level of, of uh, performance um Which i is no uh, small feat i mean well, no, if, if it was easy everybody would do it and not everybody does it in fact i can't think of anybody that does this but jack really yeah I, I wanted to again draw, uh, take a page from from John's uh, playbook and point out a couple of uh, historical references that might not be familiar to audiences today. Well, Terry, when you're on the program, I don't bother doing any research because I know you well. <laughs> but I thank you for inspiring me to do this, John. And so the the first thing I I caught was a reference to the town of Perth, Perth, Australia, and he said there was the the lights were on and there was some guy named Glenn who. Uh, <laughs> who was involved in this. Well, of course, in 1962, which was two years before this, John Glenn was in space and in the town of Perth, they turned all the lights on so that he could see it from space. And they made much of that. Uh, again, something people wouldn't remember today necessarily, but yeah. it was current at the time. Uh, keep an eye open for the violin joke at the very beginning, which was from the London uh, one-man show. He, he does it again here. Uh, oh, he, he makes reference to the Davis Cup. And he, he says, I'm sure, sure glad we won the Davis Cup. Australia and the United States were rivals in the Davis Cup. And they would win and we would win and back and forth. And just prior to this, the United States had won the Davis Cup. And then the year before Australia won, the year after they won the Davis Cup. Uh, and the last thing I guess I'll point out is um, the man who brought the violin up from uh, the orchestra pit, whose name is uh, Tommy Tycho. He was a pianist and uh, he was their, their orchestra leader. And Jack said, you can go back to the town hall now. Well, he, uh, he did play with the Lurleen Chamber Orchestra at the Randwick Town Hall. And that's a, in a suburb of, of Sydney. Not that it makes a difference, but I just I couldn't figure out what the heck he was talking about. And so I had my. I was team, wondering uh, the same thing. Thank you for my team do the research, and, and that's right. <laughs> well, the only other piece that, that you didn't mention was uh, what Jack refers to. He can't remember the word, and he has to have the the girl whisper to him the word, and he says it's fair binkum, <laughs> and and then she has she says no no it's dinkum dinkum, and then he he finally goes oh it's fair dinkum. And then, uh, and Fair Deacon, I looked it up, and it just means unquestionably good, genuine. So it, it is a slang term in Australia. And so, uh, but, it, but to me, that just shows how Jack would try 
and steer his comedy so it would work for wherever he was at. And that was kind of a cool thing that he did. And, and since you brought oh, her, since you brought her up, let, yes. should we say a word about uh, about uh, Lorraine Desmond, the singer? Yeah, go ahead. That'd be great. Uh, not about her singing. She's a fine singer, and she also was a good actress. But was that kiss not the longest on-screen kiss yes. you've ever seen? And only Jack yes. could make it last that long. Yeah. And milk it for everything it was worth, including yeah. her going limp. And I thought it was hilarious. Well, it's fabulous. And it's the joke in his stage show that he always gave to, like, Phil Harris is the one who would kiss the girl who goes ah. limp. And on the um, second TV show... Although we don't have a copy of it at the moment, it's Frank Sinatra kisses Faye Emerson and she goes limp. And I was fascinated, just as you say, Terry, to see Jack doing it because it's like Jack has no sex appeal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and and the, to to merge those two parts of that longtime gag of his, I thought, do the Australians not have censorship? So <laughs> I'm sure Jack was going. Well, I'd want to bring that bit. I don't have Frank Sinatra with me. I don't have Phil Harris. I guess I'll just have to step up and do this myself. So, uh, yeah, there, I'm sure it was pure torture for Jack. Yeah. You know, there... I, and then he licks her hand. Is, didn't he do that to Marilyn Monroe? Does he... Uh, yeah. So. yeah. There, you know, I am I'm don't know for sure that it's the same bit, but I've seen some stills and some silent uh, film of Jack doing his uh, overseas thing with the USO and there's a, a starlet there and he kisses her and I feel like this could be the same bit. And it does seem like it's sort of a, a television version of uh, an early episode, is it with Claudette Colbert? Maybe Kathy, do you know what I'm talking about? Um, uh, so uh, there's, I... an, there's an episode with Claudette Colbert where uh, and I think he's done it on other programs, too, where he says, like, uh, you know, what's wrong with my acting? I'm great or whatever. Right. And then she says, oh, you've got no sex appeal. And by the right. end of the episode, he kisses her and she faints and he says, no sex appeal. Ha ha ha. Somebody <laughs> give her salts, boys, or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think he's done that multiple times. So, yeah. Uh, Good for him. I was also just, uh, it was great to hear him um, speak with, with her about, I am the greatest comedian in America. You know, just sort of that idea of, again, he's not in America. And, and to have to think. Uh, also, at the beginning, I was curious, how would the Australians know Jack Benny? And it was uh, interesting to learn that they were watching, you know, that they got to have his TV show. So, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. And how he could take his act anywhere in the world and make it work. So I thought that was excellent. Vincent, you uh, you have anything for us? Uh, I do, yeah. I think I've talked about this in other episodes, but I'm interested in, in tourist culture. And we can see here that, um, you know, basically if you go to Australia as a tourist, you do the same things that Jack Benny is describing, right? The bridge, um, the beach, uh, and then the opera house is getting built as we speak. And so... Uh, tourism in Australia is just becoming bigger at this time. And so we have this snapshot of of literally what you do in Australia as a tourist being sort of, I wouldn't say codified, but it's being like institutionalized. And so I, I see this episode as part of that. The other thing that he does really well in this episode is sort of navigate 
difference in differences in English um, in Australia. I think he does it pretty seamlessly. Uh, it's something that when I went to Australia, I just struggled with horribly. I mean, I remember talking to people, and my wife was really good. I mean, she could she could catch up and sort of translate. But I mean, I just remember like staring at people, like I am not one hundred percent sure what you said, and I don't think you understood what I said. So I think he did a good job in the in the few instances where he mentioned like lifeguard or I can't remember he says a couple of other things but he quickly just sort of throws in oh you call it this here and he continues to use sort of the American English which was kind of surprising to me so it suggested maybe this was televised outside of Australia but uh, either way I thought he did a good job of uh, keeping the Australians in tow with what he was saying despite some small differences in uh, terminology so I, I appreciated that as someone who just fails horribly when I travel internationally at that. Vincent, I'm glad you mentioned the Opera House too, because that was a joke that, that did not land with me, but obviously the, the audience enjoyed it. He, I think he said something like, it'll be finished in a couple of months. It took four years before, four yes. more years after this yeah. uh, broadcast yeah. before it was done. Yeah, my understanding too was that it, it was thought of by many as something that shouldn't be put up. Like it was costing a lot of money. I think that was the other joke where you mentioned yeah, right. like how much it was going to cost or whatever. Yeah. And so I think he's he's playing at that, like, is this a good idea? Is this not a good idea? Um, yeah, again, part of what ends up being a really important thing in tourist Australia culture, but uh, was controversial. And, and that's and so, so often the case with those giant things they're building, wherever it is, that it becomes a focal point of for them forever. And you and you and you go back and look at it and you go, oh my gosh, how would you ever say this is controversial? This is a great thing to yeah. build. Like for us here locally, the Space Needle during the, the World Fair that they built, uh, the Space Needle. You think of Seattle, you think of Washington. The Space Needle is the first thing people tend to think of, and so those sorts of things are touchstones that everybody um, what uh, thinks about when they think about your your state or your place in the world or whatever. And certainly in Sydney. The Opera House is something you think about right away. So, um, Kathy, you were going to say something else. Oh, oh, I just wanted to say after, well, I'm one of the lucky ones who uh, gets to read Vincent's dissertation. But for a future project, um, Vincent, your fabulous scholarship has got me thinking, and, and uh, uh, as well as trying to interest grad student Laura, uh, uh, who you met in this idea that vaudeville indeed doesn't die that if it's not in vaudeville theaters, certainly Jack uh, Benny through his summer shows that he did every year, and this captures it, a sort of a vaudeville aesthetic of mm -hmm. I'm the master of ceremonies, and then I'm gonna have these various other acts. So that sort of late vaudeville of I'm gonna pull it together and give it some coherence by being the, the through line. But um, uh, so vaudeville doesn't die, and there's, there's another project. For the future so excellent thank you well uh i guess we'll leave it there thanks everybody i enjoyed this episode i think everybody's covered everything terry do you have anything else or is it good or all right we're all good and i i i just want to say Go ahead. that the uh the opening monologue is one of the funniest things that i've ever heard jack benny do when he's just standing and talking right and Unlike, you know, my, as a Jack Benny fan, you, you know, you can see some of the things that he's recycling like we talked about. But this is one I'd never heard before, and it, it made me laugh out loud. I thought it was great. I would agree with that. It was unique uh, Benny intro, and I, I really enjoyed it myself. Uh, they did do one piece 
that we'd seen just recently uh, before when he was doing uh, England in England, where they throw out his violin to him. And it was the same bit again that we saw there. And that one, it was the first time I'd seen that bit. And so I thought that was really funny that time. I think it worked better. The, the violin bounced better <laughs> in the English version than in the Australian version. But it was interesting either way. Yeah, so, but uh, the, the shark um, stuff I thought was yeah. great. And uh, and even the filmed segment where him coming off the plane, it was a great visual gag. Yeah, too. agreed. Agreed. He, he had a, a sort of a slideshow. It was great. It was great. So <laughs> uh, I... And, and what a, a neat thing to probably end our tour of the world with Jack. Um, I'll dig around some more. Uh, there's one more that I think I might do. We might revisit the the English special, the, the variety, uh, the royal variety performance, right? Uh, in that we just showed Jack's part, but I found, I think, all the other parts, and I think I'm going to put it all together I try because I, I also found a website that like I think lists it in order as to what happened because I don't know the order and so I'm going to try and put it back in the original order it was in and then if I pull that all together we'll have us do that and chat about the other pieces so all right well thanks everybody enjoy this little bit trip to Australia with Jack and uh, we'll see you next time hopefully for some more Jack international travels we shall see direct from Sydney in Australia. Starring Jack Benny, Johnny O'Keefe, Lorraine Desmond, the Rodenko Brothers. And here he is, Jack Benny! Do you think they mention my name often enough? <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you very much for this wonderful reception. It's so good that I actually feel like the fifth Beatle. <laughs> now, I must start right off by saying that I have just concluded a three weeks tour of Sydney and Melbourne and I'm really and truly sorry that I have to go back tomorrow because we've had a most wonderful engagement. And there's been excitement wherever I've been, like the, the, week, the week or eight, nine days that I played here at the, the Theatre Royal. And in Melbourne, we had a wonderful ten nights in Melbourne. And a lot of people don't know about Australia, but I want to tell you this is actually an exciting place. I think Sydney is very, very exciting. Gosh, I was only here a week and a half, and ten pounds went like that. You know? <laughs> Next time, I'm coming alone. <laughs> but anyway, 
I and and you know I did the real tourist bit too. Wherever I went, you know, I, I was I was bound to see everything you could see. And one day, uh, Lord Mayor Harry Jensen here in town, we got to be very good friends. He took me all around to see it. The first place he took me was to see that new opera house that's going up. Beautiful play. Oh, that's going to be. Be of course, it won't be ready to open for two, three months yet. You know? <laughs> and from what I understand, when it's finished, this is going to cost over a hundred thousand pounds. <laughs> They'll never get their money back. I don't know. This, you know. And then I told him. I said. Uh, uh, Mayor Jensen, I said, one place I've heard so much about, and I'd love to go there, I want you to take me to Bondi Beach. Heard about Bondi, I've never been there, so he took me there. And I met some of the lifeguards, they call them lifesavers here, you know. And they started to explain to me about the sharks here, which I knew about, you see. And they told me, they explained to me, which is so funny about that, when you're all in swimming, you folks are swimming in Bondi, you see, when they see the sharks coming from a distance, they ring a little bell. <laughs> that means you must all get out of the water and give the sharks a chance. <laughs> now, when you feel like going, when the sharks feel like going back, and they all go back, then the lifeguard, you know, rings a second little bell, and then you all go back into the water, of course. I wouldn't go back for a million pounds. <laughs> I'd probably run into a shark who learned how to ring that second bell. <laughs> I'm a coward about those. I remember one night I was taking a bath. I heard somebody ring a bell. I jumped right out of the <laughs> And you know what kills me? The thing that they say there, absolutely killed. Here's what the lifeguard told me, the lifesaver. He said, should you run into a shark, stand perfectly still, <laughs> motionless. Don't alarm the shark. <laughs> well, I assure you, I would not alarm a shark. I'm afraid of anything with a receding chin. <laughs> but anyway, I must say I had a wonderful time, and I'm glad that I'm here. I had a wonderful flight to Sydney. Now, some people are nervous when they fly, but not me. I slept right up to the last minute. <laughs> Now, back home, I had heard so much about the Sydney Harbor Bridge, I just had to see it for myself. And then, after a bit of sightseeing, I decided it was time that I checked into a hotel. <laughs> I got a room overlooking the beautiful Menzies Hotel, which I thought was better than paying the Menzies prices and overlook the dump I'm living in.
Well, so much for that. And ladies and gentlemen, I'll see you in a few minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, the Radenko Brothers. a wonderful audience. We'd like to do a trick we had the pleasure of doing with the Broadway musical Carnival. We certainly hope that you will enjoy it. We call it the blindfolded leapfrog. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, when I first came on, I was talking about the wonderful stay and the fun I had here in Australia. I, uh, incidentally, I just found out it was pronounced Australia. But I, uh, <laughs> I didn't know, you see. But I, um, I forgot to mention the beautiful flight that I had coming in here and also going from here to Melbourne, you know. And I stopped in Honolulu and Fiji and just had a wonderful trip all the way through but the cutest thing that happened after i arrived in sydney you see 
And then when I flew to Melbourne, the cutest thing that happened, just as I was flying over Melbourne, all the lights went on in Perth. <laughs> well, I think they only did that for one other person, I believe. <laughs> A fella named Glenn somebody. <laughs> somebody Glenn, I don't know. Somebody that flew around, I don't know. Somebody like that. Now, I'm going to uh, tell in this spot, there's a story I want to tell, and as a rule, I don't tell stories. I just ramble along and talk. But this is someone you, something you might enjoy. This is a story about a panhandler who was arrested for being drunk. Now, a lot of people uh, in Australia, they don't know the term panhandler. It means a, some kind of a parasite or a, bur uh, a, a beggar on the street, you see. And this panhandler was arrested for being drunk, and he was brought in court in front of a judge. The judge fined him and sent him back home. And the next day, the same panhandler got drunk again, brought in front of the same judge. The judge admonished him, sent him back. And this happened five days in a row. This panhandler kept getting drunk, brought in front of the same judge, and finally the judge couldn't stand it any longer, you see. And he said to this panhandler, he says, look, aren't you ashamed to be seen in this courtroom so often. Ladies really? and gentlemen, <coughs> ladies and gentlemen, so this you were such a wonderful audience uh, during our act. <laughs> My brother and I, you know, we got so excited, we forgot to do our encore. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so with your kind permission, <laughs> we, we'd like to do it now if we may, right? <laughs> uh, well, for, for this trick, uh, for this trick, we need a volunteer. Uh, oh, anybody, anybody will do, huh? Let's see, uh, uh, you, sir? No, you don't. Uh, you, sir? You, sir? Uh, what about him? Oh, yes, sir. Oh, yeah, sir. he'll do he'll real do good. Just oh, fine. yes, sir. Yes, yes sir? sir, he'll do mm -hmm. just fine. <laughs> All right? Yeah, All right? You ready? Ready? So this panhandler, <laughs> he said, why should I be? He said, this is a respectable place. That's the end of the joke. <laughs> naturally, naturally, you know, it doesn't, goes over much better when people don't come in in the middle of it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, before I introduce my co-star, uh, one of my co-stars, I'd like to do something that so many people 
have asked me to do in Australia, both in Sydney and Melbourne. They say to me, Jack, you know, we've been watching your television shows, and you never play anything on your violin. You always take your violin, you fool around. We have yet to hear you finish a number. So, uh, I promised them, they told me, would you please do it on this television show? So with your approval, I'll get my violin and play it, you know? But I... Could I have my violin, please? <laughs> well, that's his opinion, you know. Well, I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, I doubt that Isaac Stern could play it now. You know. <laughs> I promise you that later on in the show, I'm actually going to get my own violin and play a number for you. And now, I would like to present one of my co-stars, a young lady I heard so much about from here in Aust from Australia, very, very talented, very beautiful, your own Loray Desmond. meant every word I said. I'm so happy that you're with me on this show and through the whole engagement. Now, um, let me ask you something. Uh, I didn't watch a rehearsal, you see. What are you going to uh, sing? What is your number? What's the number you're going to do? Well, I thought I'd do Great Day. Great Day. Now, I'd like to ask you something. And this, you're on your own. You know, I don't want to interfere with your act or anything like that. And you can say yes or no. But do you think it would add anything to your number? If I got the violin, because I know the number, you see, and I played a sort of an obligato to it, would it mean anything to that particular song, I mean? Well, Jack, that's, that's very sweet of you to suggest it. Uh, but, you see, the number's all rehearsed, and I, I think the added violin would only conflict with the arrangement. I see. You mean you'd rather sing it alone, you mean, with that? Well, it was just a, you know, a suggestion, that's all. <laughs> Maybe, you know, thanks anyway for even considering it, you know. <laughs> Maybe we'll do it some other time, huh? Thanks again very much. <laughs> Let's 
lift up your head and shout, there's gonna be a great day. I think you're always wonderful. Oh, thank you very much, Jack. You know, I want to ask you something. Now, I get nervous sometimes when I appear in front of an audience, uh, particularly so many miles away from home, or it's an opening night or a television show, and I have friends in the audience. That makes me a little bit nervous. But, you know, I watched you work for three solid weeks on our show, and even here, and I don't know, you, it seems to me that you haven't got a... a a, uh, a nerve in your body. Don't you ever get nervous? Certainly, Jack. Of course I get nervous. Well, you don't show it. Well, I may not show it, but I, I get nervous. And particularly when I'm working on the same stage with America's greatest comedian. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, please. Now, wait a minute. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> and you shouldn't have said it either. I know you meant well, but you can imagine calling anybody the world's greatest comedian. Did you say world? America. Oh, America. <laughs> but even then, even then that isn't nice. You know, people don't, you know, you'll have people hating me before the television show is over. I mean, America's greatest comedian. How egotistical can we get, for heaven's sakes? But, Jack, you are America's greatest comedian, aren't you? Well, yes. <laughs> it, sounds, it 
sound so awful coming from us, I think, you know. <laughs> what are you going to do now? Mind you, now, three weeks are over, here's a television show. What are you going to do when we're through here? Well, Jack, I'm going to have a little short holiday, and then I'm going back to work again. Yeah, well, so am I. I have to go back and do some more television films. And what do you think I'm going to do in a few months? I'm going to make a picture. You know, I haven't made a picture since the horn blows at midnight. <laughs> you know what they're laughing at? That one lousy picture I made, which they'll never forgive me for. But I've made some good ones. However, I am going back to a couple of films, and then I'm going to do a picture with Doris Day. And you want to hear something? They sent me the script. I just got it about three days ago. And the picture is so... The part for me is so exciting. You've, you've never read anything like it. Right at the very start of the picture, just as it opens, I'm found dead in the bathroom. <laughs> and then, of course, the whole picture revolves around my death, you see, I mean, it's only a day's work, but it's exciting. <laughs> and you know what? I'm making him change the story a little bit. Because when I'm found dead, I'm found lying face down. <laughs> Naturally, you know, nobody will know who I am. <laughs> so I'm making them turn me over. <laughs> See, if I'm lying face down, the only one who would recognize me would be my masseur. <laughs> I'm waiting for that one. <laughs> but listen. You know, I want to ask you something. You're a lovely lady. You probably could answer this. Um, why is it in all branches of show business I've done very, very well, and yet there was something about me on the screen that wasn't right, even though I made good pictures. There was something wrong. There was something I didn't have for the movie screen. You know, I didn't have that, uh, that, oh, what am I, what am I trying to say? Sex appeal? I had that. <laughs> you want to know something. <laughs> Our day isn't over yet. <laughs> but, um, you know, as long as you mention sex appeal, let me tell you something. You know that sex appeal is actually a state of mind. That's all it is. Just sex appeal is a state of mind. You're kidding. I'm kidding? Oh, wait a minute. You wanted me to say something after that, and I can't think of the word. Right, right. Oh, yes. All right, now repeat. You say you're kidding. You're kidding. Fair Binkum. Oh, Fair Dinkum. It's not Fair Binkum. It's no. fair, fair Dinkum. That's right. Oh, yeah, that sounds so much better. Than that. That's the silliest word I've ever heard in my life. But do you know, as I said before, sex appeal <laughs> fair dinkum. Sex appeal, as I said, is a state of mind, has something to do with environment, atmosphere. You know, I can prove that to you. How? Now, look, at, I want you to close your eyes and forget that I'm Jack Benny. You see? Now, close your eyes and think of me as someone else standing in front of you, like a glamour boy, like Rock Hudson or... Gregory Peck or Tony Curtis, you see? And I'll kiss you. 
And while your eyes are closed, I'll kiss you. And while you're thinking of them, my kiss and theirs, it'll be the same thing. <laughs> now, when you do it, now I want to prove to you. All right, now close your eyes and kiss me. Like this? That's right. Now think of some glamour boy. <laughs> How was that? I don't know. I didn't feel a thing. That's funny. I'm a wreck. <laughs> I mean, who are you thinking of? Red Skelton. <laughs> Jack, who are you thinking of? What? Who are you thinking of? Sophie Tucker. <laughs> I don't know how I got that way, but I guess... Oh, Jack, you know I was only kidding. Really? I like you very, very much, and, and you know I do. You do? Would you like to know how I... how I really feel about you? Yes. Once on the show I said no, and she didn't know what to say next. <laughs> Never saw anybody get so mixed up in my life. <laughs> yes. I want you to tell me what... what well, it. is it all right if I sing it to you? It's fine if you sing it. this feeling why this glow why the thrill when you say hello it's a strange and tender magic you do mr Thank <laughs> you. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it now gives me great pleasure to introduce a young fellow with a lot of talent who also comes from here. And in the short span of five years, he has become a legend in Australia. Johnny O'Keefe. Down this street before But the pavement always stayed beneath my feet before For the ones in my seven stories high Knowing I'm on the street where you live Are there lilac trees in a part of town? Can you hear a lock in any other part of town? Tonight. Felt like it, didn't you? Yes, I sure did. Thank you very much, Mr. Benny. Listen, Johnny, let me ask you something. How long have you been in show business? Uh, about five years now, Mr. Benny. About five years. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I've been in it practically all my life. I can't remember when I wasn't in it. But you're a very talented young fellow. Thanks, Mr. Benny. That's a wonderful compliment coming from you because uh, even though, you know, over the last three weeks on the tour, you've been clowning around a lot and cracking jokes with me. Uh, no matter how much you clowned around with Larry Desmond, you're still my idol. <laughs> Look, let's not go into that again. Uh, Mr. Benny, I Look. mean it. I mean every word I'm saying. I watch your television show every week, and every time I see you, I feel like sort of I'm watching a real master at work, a true genius. Well, now, Johnny, now you're embarrassing me, you know. Sorry, Mr. Benny, I won't go on. No, no! <laughs> you know, after all, the damage is done. <laughs> what were you saying? <laughs> I was saying yeah. exactly what I sincerely feel. You're my idol, Palsy, and I would never miss your television show. You mean you see, you watch all my shows, huh? Everyone. And Mr. Benny, 
Uh, would you mind if I made a few little suggestions to you? <laughs> you want to make some suggestions? Yeah. Well, some constructive criticism. I see. How long did you say you were in show business? Five years. Five years. Yes, sir. Well, what are these uh, suggestions that you want to make? Yeah. Well, there's one thing, Mr. Benny, and I'm sure that it could be very easily corrected. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> what? What, for instance? Well, it's your pace. Mm -hmm. It's not exactly right. Now, it's a little bit too slow, just a little bit. <laughs> you mean you don't like... You don't, how long did you say you were in show business? Five years. Five years, I see. And you say, you don't like my timing, is that it? Well, let me put it to you this way. I guess it's all right to be slow sometimes, but you're only telling jokes, you know. You're not playing a game of chess. <laughs> Have you any other suggestions? Well, I mean, don't keep anything from your idol. <laughs> What else? Well, Mr. Benny, there, there is one thing. What? It's that long, vacant stare you always give to the audience. It sort of goes on and on and on. You mean after I get through with a joke, the way yeah. I kind of gaze and stare at an yeah. audience? Huh? I always get the impression that you're amazed that they're still there. <laughs> You've been in show business five, five years. <laughs> well, is there anything else? Well, Jack. Jack! <laughs> what happened to Mr. Benny? Well, yes. Well, <laughs> I think if I'm still allowed to, I'd like to sing an encore. <laughs> what are you going to sing for your encore, Johnny? Well, I'd, I'd like to do a song that's been uh, pretty popular for me called uh, She Wears My Ring. She Wears My Ring. Mm. Now, let me ask you something. Would you like if I got my violin <laughs> and accompanied you on that number? Would you like that? Well, uh, I don't know quite how to say it, Mr. Benny. I mean, it's the end of the show and all that, but I'd prefer you didn't. Well, for someone who didn't know how to say it, you phrased it beautifully. <laughs>
Cause she wears my ring This tiny ring Is a token of tender emotion And in this pool of love That's as deep as the ocean She swears why I sing because she wears my ring that's why I sing because she wears my Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to be able to introduce to you in person the world's most frustrated violinist. Once again, Jack Betty. You know, he's the kind of a guy that makes me glad we won the Davis Cup. Well, I told you I was going to bring out the violin finally. Now, here's a violin. This, of course, is not the one that was thrown out on the stage. This violin has been in our family for years and years and years. My great-grandfather gave it to my grandfather. My grandfather gave it to my father. And my father sold it to me. <laughs> He was meaner than I am, incidentally. That's right. Now, uh, you know, I give concerts in America, and I think uh, I'm going to play a little encore from one of the, some of the concerts that I do. Oh, uh, Tommy, let's do the Chartist one, the thing. All right? to bother you, Mr. Benny. But may I have your autograph, please? You mean you came out of the audience for the autograph? Yes, I did. Well, darling, I'm right in the middle of a number. I could have, I could have given it to you after the show, you know. Oh, okay, Mr. Benny. Well, wait a minute, as long as you're here. Come here, I'll give it to you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. All right, I'll write the... Wait a minute, this is awkward. Hold this a little bit, will you? Be careful, you're not supposed to touch the hair, you know. Be careful, it's a good violin, too. What's your name, your first name, honey? Tony. Tony. That's a cute name for a girl, Tony. How old are you, Tony? I'm 15, Mr. Benny. 15 years old, gosh. I could be your father. <laughs> Tony, with love, Jack Benny. There you are. Thank you very much, Mr. Benny. You're welcome, honey. Thank you. Kind of cute, too. <laughs> Thank you. 
interrupt again, Mr. Benny, but you spell Tony wrong. <laughs> I spell Tony wrong? Yes. When Tony's a girl's name, it's spelled with an I, and when it's a boy's name, it's spelled with a Y. Oh, when I spell it with a Y, huh? No, with two E's. <laughs> well, all right, here, I'll write it over again. I'll just change the word, Tony, here. Hold this again. Be careful now, don't touch the, ha the hair there. Be careful how you hold the violin now. Careful. All right, I'll just change Tony, the word Tony, you know. Tony, I'll subtract the two E's. trick, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. You didn't even want my autograph at all. You did not. You just wanted to play the violin. No, I didn't. I mean, why didn't you tell me you play the violin? You never asked me. There's an answer, isn't it? I suppose everybody who asks me for an autograph, I got to say first, do you play the violin? I must say one thing, though. You, you sounded awfully good there for a little oh, girl. Thank you, Gosh. Mr. Vinnie. You must have studied quite a How long have you studied the violin? Oh, about three years. About three years, yes. Do you play like I do? I used to. <laughs> I wouldn't answer that if I had my writers with me. As long as you played so well, would you like to do a little duet with me? Oh, I'd uh, love to, Mr. Benny. Would you? Yes. Well, what? What could you play with me, I think? Well, I can play the number you and Giselle McKenzie used to do on your television show. You mean getting to know you? Yes. I used to watch you do it and then I'd practice it. Oh, you mean the, the counter-melody part? That's it, yes. And you really can play the yes, counter-melody? And you wouldn't be afraid if I got a violin? And a little bit, but I'd play it. You would, huh? Yes. Well, all right. We'll get a violin. We'll play it then. You can play it by heart, don't you? Yes, it? all of it. Uh, Tommy, could I have the violin, please? Right here. Thank you. Now you can go back to town hall. Thank you. <laughs> You're not supposed to touch the hair. I know. I... <laughs> all right, we'll play Getting to Know You. And I want to tell you something. It's only good when it's played straight and beautiful. It's a beautiful counter melody. You see, Giselle McKenzie used to show off with it and improvise and play a lot of things, extra notes and cadenzas, and she spoiled the whole number. It's only pretty, play it straight, just nice okay. and straight, will you? Huh? Okay. okay. Give me A, will you please? Thank you. A. That's fine. <laughs> All right. To, uh, Tommy. Honey, just play it straight. <laughs>
Tommy, another half a chorus. Now play it like I asked you to. audience, I want them to hear this number played just once, the way it's supposed to be played. Would you do that for me, please? Okay. Okay, okay. Now, please, just straight, huh? Ready? beginning to sound like you. <laughs> Roses are red, carnations are white, and you are fired as of tonight. <laughs> something now about this little girl. Her right name is Cynthia O'Brien, and she comes from Sydney, Australia. And when I tell you, I never met her before in my life till about three weeks ago, a day after I arrived. And I must tell you, the kind of a gamble I took shows you the nerve I've got. I asked my representatives here, I said, I want you to find me a little girl in Sydney who can play the violin real good. She must be young and small, and she must be able to talk with me on the stage, and she must be an amateur. <laughs> How's that for finding something? And I swear, I swear that until the opening night at the theater in Sydney, she had never appeared in front of an audience in her life. 
on the stage. So cute. Imagine 15 years old, gosh. She's 31 if she's a day. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, that about winds up the show. And I want to say I had a wonderful, wonderful time here. I'm leaving tomorrow, and I think I deserve a medal of some kind because here I did an entire television show in Australia and didn't do one joke about a kangaroo. <laughs> now, you know I deserve that. I wish we had time to go on and on and on, but I do want to thank uh, Johnny O'Keefe, Loray Desmond, the Rudenko brothers, and little Cynthia O'Brien for being on the show, and, and I want to thank all of you folks for being here at this show and to, for coming to see me in the theater. And it's been the most delightful engagement, one of the most delightful three weeks I've ever had in my entire career in show business. Thank you. Very much.